We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Thursday, the 26th day of May, the year of our Lord 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? It's good to see you. Healthy and alive. Yeah. Uh, still a bit uh, damp here. Uh, it's been raining still. Uh, so, But it's I been actually nice, had actually. I had to go out with a coat today. Can you believe it? Well, not a coat. It was like a jacket, but uh, it was a little chilly out today. It's understandable. It's been uh, somewhat chilly here, especially for this time of year. Of course, I mean, you, you know, you're going to wear a light coat anyway because it's raining. But Man, I got yeah. tomatoes already blooming. I don't I don't have time for this. Bring on the warm weather. I need the hothouse stuff going on. Right. I, I need I need the good stuff. Uh, being as we hit 100 plus degree temperatures here, I'm I'm enjoying the cool as long as it lasts. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's good. I, I don't want to spend too much time today because uh, tomorrow's a holiday where I'm at. And so I'm looking forward to doing as little as possible and, other than working on my, uh, my my plants. I mean, I spent a good couple hours out there every day now working on my plants and tending to them and uh, uh, things like that. And it's, it's quite satisfying. I'm, I'm going to have to do some more uh, some more planting this week. I need to go get some more stuff. But... I, I just I have to share this. Right. So I, I got a few things I want to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Texas shooting. We're going to talk about some stuff out of Davos. Really not too much else. Maybe a little bit of privacy stuff if we get to it. But that's about it. I just wanted to mention this one thing about monkeypox. Maybe we can talk about this for a few minutes. I got an email today from the U.S. State Department. Now, they send these things out to expats and, and citizens that are overseas and, and things like that. I mean, we we register when we leave the country that we're leaving the country. Uh, we register our itineraries. And so they put us on this uh, this list to receive information if and when the United States government ever decides that they want to publish something useful to its citizens. Well, lo and behold, I got something that was useful today, apparently. This is from the, uh, the U.S. State Department, and they say that the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have issued a level two travel health notice, wh whatever that is. Bruce, do you want to take a guess of what this might be about? Uh, monkeypox, yeah. How did you know that? Has nothing to do with COVID. They were sending these things out with COVID all the time anyway. But yeah, monkeypox uh, in multiple countries. Now, they give a list, a bullet point list here of actions that you should take. American citizens should avoid the following. Number one, close contact with sick people, including those with skin lesions or genital lesions. I, I don't know why you would be traveling like on a flight or something and you would be concerned about someone's yeah, like, genital what, lesions. But all right. What would you what like? How would you say? That? Excuse me. Can I have a quick look? I mean, what? what why would you? Oh, all right. Number two, contact with dead or live wild animals such as small mammals, including rodents, rats, squirrels and non-human primates such as monkeys or apes. Uh-huh. Which is where the this is where it typically travels. Um, right. That's how it's spread is it's from those animals to humans. Right. Number three, eating or preparing meat from wild game or using products derived from wild animals from Africa, such as creams, lotions or powders. Supposedly, this can last um, fairly long outside of a host, uh, this virus. Um, it is uh, akin to the smallpox virus and is able to survive on, on things like clothing and, and blankets and whatnot. So, you know, I don't know how, for how long 
that that was never stated. They just ginned up the fear that you're going to die from this because it's going to stick on everything. Yes. You don't want to go in public. You don't want to yes. go, you know, try and close or travel or any of those things because can't stay you know, in the, the, the passenger. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, it, it, anything that somebody touched that may have had it, you, you, you could have it because the, the virus sticks there so long all the while they failed to tell you which variant this is, um, which is kind of important to know that the death rate is less than 1% for this uh -huh. variant that's spreading. Uh -huh. But nah, uh -huh. that doesn't gin up fear. Number four, contact with contaminated materials used by sick people, such as clothing, bedding, or materials used in healthcare settings. Well, I guess you better stay out of the hospitals then. Or that came in contact with infected animals. Number five, the risk to the general public is low, but you should seek medical care immediately if you develop new symptoms. If you develop new, unexplained skin rash or lesions on any part of your body, with or without fever and chills, and avoid contact with others. If possible, call ahead before going to a healthcare facility. If you're not able to call ahead, tell a staff member as soon as you arrive that you are concerned about monkeypox. Tell the doctor if in the month before developing symptoms, you had the following. You had contact with a person who might have had monkeypox. If you are a man who has had intimate contact, including sex with other men, I'm not joking, this is in the email. This is in the email from the State Department. You are in an area where monkeypox has been reported, which is currently Europe, which that narrows it down. What's that? 35 countries. North America. That's pretty easy. That's three. Australia or in an area where monkeypox is more commonly found, such as the Democratic Republic of the Congo, the Republic of Congo, Nigeria, Central African Republic, Cameroon, Gabon, Liberia, Sierra Leone, and Sudan. If you are sick and could have monkeypox, delay travel by public transport until you've been cleared by a healthcare professional or a public health official. And just for clarification on that, to be cleared, um, that's a two-week process. Uh, no, excuse me, three weeks. 21 days. 21 days. Yeah. 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 So it's no longer 14 days. It is now 21 days, which technically it may even that may actually increase even further because um, it's like a five day incubation period is the longest. And then after the incubation period, it, it could be two to four weeks after that, that you show signs of lesions and those kind of things. So and if you they don't, may, they may kick it to 30. Yeah. And if you don't have a car, then, well, they tell you to stay off public transport. So I guess you're going to have to crawl there. Yeah. It's like, it's quite a walk here uh, without, you know. Yeah. Imagine being overseas. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, I, I thought that was too funny to just let go. So um, I thought, I thought I'd share that because not a lot of Americans, if you're not an American living overseas, you're not going to get that. Obviously, if you're in the U S you're not, I mean, you're getting hammered with that all day, every day on the mainstream media anyway, I suppose. So, I mean, it's not that big of a deal, but that's straight from the horse's mouth. Anyway, uh, moving right along here. Uh, I don't want to talk anymore about monkeypox. I think it's ridiculous. Texas school shooter. Let's discuss it. So what do we know about this this uh, this kid? He's an 18-year-old kid. And I just caught some things because of the time difference. I just caught some stuff about it yesterday when we were, we were headed off for the evening. And so I, I wasn't really paying that much attention to it. I thought I would just let all the air clear and let everybody get their ducks in a row, let them have their press conferences, and then we would get to it today. We certainly weren't ignoring it. But uh, you know what? This is this is right on cue because they've got gun legislation in a drawer ready to go. You know they do. And they're just waiting. How many other shootings have we seen in recent weeks that have not been reported because it doesn't fit the agenda? How many others? There was one that yeah. was in uh, uh, it was in Texas. The guy went and specifically said... 
that he was going to target Asians and Asian businesses and went and shot up a whole bunch of Asian businesses. That didn't make the news. That didn't make any paper. That was promptly shut down. Why wasn't that talked about? I think like six people got shot or something. There was actually a sniper that was in D.C. a few weeks ago that live streamed it. That didn't make the news because it didn't fit the agenda. This happens, and oh my goodness, it's the end of the world. You know that they've got all these things set up and ready to go, as in they've got the responses to them set up and ready to go. They've got all their media people out there ready to push the fear and and talk about when are we going to take action, blah, blah, blah. Michael Moore's out today, you know, the, the guy that does the documentary films, the guy that's made hundreds of millions of dollars that hates the country he lives in. He's out today saying, we've got to scrap the Second Amendment. That's it. That's it. This is the same guy that said when the Occupy movement started in 2010 in New York, came out and said, yep, capitalism's got to go. We, we got to scrap capitalism. It's time for it to go. So what do we know about the shooter? What was the possible motive? I know you've been following it. You're you're closer uh, to it than uh, than I am. So what what are you hearing over there? So 18 year old uh, kid was um, bullied growing up, uh, had a rough life. Uh, it sounds like um, became increasingly violent. He was um, using a BB gun to shoot random people. Uh, law enforcement already knew about this kid. He already had somewhat of a record because of the BB gun and uh, egging people's cars and whatnot. Let's see. Uh, he did buy the firearms illegally. He, he bought two firearms and a, a bunch of ammo. I think they both were AR-15s uh, and quite a few mags. The The thing is, is he it was some of his actions were questionable. He was sending uh, photos to the classmates of like his AR-15 and the ammo that he bought and all that kind of stuff. and. You know, in in gun culture, that's not like showing the showing the new firearm you got to a buddy. That's not unusual. That's not, you know, odd at all. However, what was odd is he was uh, messaging things like uh, uh, his classmate asked him, you know, why do you have those? Because he had it in a backpack, the ammo. And the classmate was like, bro, why do you have this? And he was like, don't worry about it. I mean, it's kind of clear what was intended there uh, in a sense or you know alluding to it but anyway he um shot two adults uh killed them and then um 19 other students were also killed in this so 21 altogether were killed uh and several several others were injured um they they weren't uh they did they didn't you know clarify how many were injured or how severe the injuries were or you know how they were injured if they were shot or injuries and escaping or something um but police uh fatally shot him i think he he barricaded himself off uh at at one point uh and uh border patrol uh had a shootout with him basically former classmate of uh of this kid salvador ramos was his name told cnn i'm sure cnn was happy to get the full story on it too uh told cnn that he was somewhat close to this kid uh and the two would occasionally play xbox together you see that blame the video games uh it was reported that the shooter while living with his mother was visited by police due to conflicts between the two uh ramos's mother used drugs which contributed to the upheaval at home yeah sure uh, of course it would uh he would this is according to the classmate he says he would message me here and there four days ago he sent me a picture of the ar and he was uh the AR he was using, and a backpack full of 5.56 rounds, probably like seven mags. I was like, bro, why do you have this? And he says, don't worry about it. He then proceeded to text me, 
and said, I look very different now. You wouldn't recognize me. The classmate said that Reynolds was bullied by his classmates and others for the clothing he wore, for his lisp, and for his family's financial situation, eventually leading him to attend classes less and less. He would not go to school, and he just slowly dropped out. Uh, he barely came to school, is what his classmate said. Real quick, there was, there was another thing that, that that article is failing to mention. Uh, uh-huh. The mother was also a druggie and abusive. Yeah, they did say that the uh, mother oh, was. Did, it, uh, did, did they was, mention it? Yeah, okay. yeah. They said Reynolds' mother used drugs. That's all right. Uh, you're you're working on something else. I get it. It's another school shooting. You know what they're going to do? They're going to exploit it. That's all they're going to do with it. That's that's literally all they're going to do with it. They're hunting for a motive. Uh, well, we just gave you like I don't know uh, ten of them. Like it was a traumatic childhood. Uh, it was a pretty much hopeless situation at home. The kid was bullied at school. He had no social structure whatsoever. He had nothing at home that he could look forward to. So what did he have? He, he really had nothing. Governor Greg Abbott did a press conference yesterday, and guess who was there? Guess who got thrown out for causing a ruckus? Well, it's former presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke. He disrupted Governor Abbott's press conference on school shooting and was escorted out by police. During a press conference on Wednesday following the school shooting in Texas, former U.S. representative and Texas gubernatorial candidate Beto O'Rourke confronted Abbott about when the next school shooting was going to occur and what the state is doing to stop it. Let's just take everybody's guns, right? Because that'll fix everything. In the pause that uh, when Abbott was attempting to hand the uh, the mic over to his lieutenant governor, and in that pause, O'Rourke approached the table and began shouting, and those on the stage began shouting, sir, you're out of line. Well, yeah. What was he was he filming this for his little vlog or whatever he does? Is that what he was doing? Was he hoping to get the clicks and the likes? Yeah, that's all it is. It's just it's political BS. The Democrats favorite beta male trying to make himself relevant. That that's all it is. He's effectively a nobody. But, you know, you you have to you have to uh, make yourself known, make it look like you're anti-gun, you know, all that stuff. Oh, he's an activist now. Got it. Yeah, he's he's an activist now. Uh, One man, uh, one man is on the stage uh, shouting back at O'Rourke. He says, I can't believe uh, I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch who would come to this deal, come to a deal like this and make it a political issue uh, as he's being dragged out by the police. As he was escorted away from the stage, O'Rourke attempted to place blame with those on the stage, including Abbott. It's all the political opposition's fault up there. That's how it is. One of the Texas officials behind the table on the stage shouted, it's a-holes like you. Why don't you get out of here? Meaning it was people like him that stir up the political rhetoric and cause the problems. Stir the pot and create problems and drive wedges and and cause situations to become rigid when they otherwise wouldn't be. That's what people like him do. Shortly after O'Rourke was taken out of the room, Abbott blasted the display saying people need to focus on helping the families that are affected heal rather than politics. I completely concur. There are family members who are crying as we speak. There's no words that anybody shouting can come up here and do anything to heal those broken hearts. We all, every Texan, every American have a responsibility where we need to focus not on ourselves and our agendas. We need to focus on the healing Uh, on the healing and hope that we can provide to those who have suffered unconscionable damage to their lives and loss of life. We need all Texans in this one moment in time to put aside personal agendas, think of somebody other than ourselves, think about the people who are hurt, and help those who have been hurt. That sounds a lot better than um, some, uh, some jerk storming the stage with a phone camera going, hoping to get clicks and likes on, uh, on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Clearly unaware to, uh, unaware of, uh, you know, the, the situation and what's going on and the gravity of it. And are just trying to exploit it, you know, just like Democrats do with any kind of situation like this. They try to exploit it to their political advantage. Honestly, this is this is one of the things that it, it's kind of clear from the founders. I, I would say it's clear if you if you've 
looked into the founders and how they, uh, you know, uh, did their procedures and everything. You don't take action in the middle of emotion. That that's kind of a general rule that you you, you should kind of get from the vibe of how everything's structured. At least, if you know nothing about the founders, you you don't take immediate action to try to change something based on an emotion. You get through the emotional stuff first, right? You deal with that the immediate, and then once you have a clear head, then you look at okay, what's the problem? Is there something we could have done to, you know, curb this shooting and everything, you know, to stop this from happening? Is there anything that we could have done to mitigate it? That's what you do after the situation, not in the middle of it. Obviously, the Democrats have already just started going after um, gun control stuff. And and actually, uh, Chucky has said that uh, they won't they won't have any gun legislation until November, which suggests one of two things. One, they're scared in that they're going to lose uh, a lot of seats and they don't want to jeopardize that even more by hitting a hot button topic that's going to push some of their voters away uh, or potential voters. And two, uh, it would also say how many states that were problematic during the 2020 election, how many of them fixed their uh, electoral process again? Um, yeah, the uh, uh, that uh, 2000 Mules documentary kind of made it clear that um, all that data that they were uh, acquiring on on the, the voting stuff and how many of them were dropping it off at ballot boxes. Ten times, might I add. Yeah, they, they could have had that data immediately in real time, but nobody took the time to look at that and we could have, you know, had that solved immediately. But anyway, honestly, in the, this situation, we, we've gone over this before with other shootings and have looked at it. It's already illegal to kill someone. There's there's not any other way to to other laws that you can pass to make this less likely to happen. Uh, instead, you need to have teachers uh, trained and have them equipped with firearms so that if this ever happens, they're armed. I I didn't realize in the state of Texas it was illegal to kill somebody. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> Most people think that's legal, you know. <laughs> I'm yeah, serious. Yeah. Uh, Senator Joe Manchin, uh, the same Senator Joe Manchin, who I have now lost all respect for, uh, the same Senator Joe Manchin who is currently sitting on the stage of the World Economic Forum giving conference talks to the world, that Joe Manchin, as in, I, I kind of had some hope for the guy. I thought, okay, here's an old school Democrat. As early as last week, I was saying that. I was talking him up last week, for God's sake. I didn't know he was sitting on the stage of the World Economic Forum. I didn't know he was scheduled to be there. I didn't know he'd been there before. But he said that he'll look at any common sense gun legislation after the Texas shooting, but not the filibuster. Common sense Honestly, gun legislation. You hear that? <laughs> it's always common. Even Obama said that. Oh, now, uh, see um, what it is, people. Uh, it's common sense gun legislation. Nobody's against common sense gun legislation. Well, what does common I, sense well, gun legislation mean to a bunch of people that have no common sense? Well, it, that's the thing is by saying common sense, it means something different for everyone. Common sense gun legislation to me is uh, opening it up, having no safe spaces without guns, like making it illegal to have a, you know, like, for example, at a bank to where it's uh, you can't have a firearm at a bank uh, or at a school or any of those locations. Instead, opening it up and saying, no, you can have firearms here. We want these places to be the safest. So we want to we want criminals to uh, second guess themselves when they go to those locations. So that that's common sense to me uh, and a lot of other people that I know. Uh, but uh, oh, we know that's not what the president of hope and change meant 
uh, let alone any other Democrat or uh, honestly, some of the Republicans are this way, too, because there was some uh, representative in Texas that was lambasting uh, uh, Abbott and, and Ted Cruz and whatnot and using some expletives and whatnot in his rant uh, against them. And I, I went through and I tried to look at his Twitter posts and everything that were, were bashing um, the governor and uh, the senator. And I could not discern like what he was getting at. Other than it was just a political motive because there was there was no like agenda he was going for. Like we need we need better gun control regulations or something like that. They, he was just trashing them for uh, saying uh, we're really we're we're saddened by the event that happened. We're praying for the families, all that kind of stuff. He, he was just basically cussing them out for being sympathetic. I, I uh, it, it didn't make any sense at all. You know what? I, I don't want to go on any further with this because every time one of these events happens and they turn it into this political circus, all we do as a response, at least here with us, is we sit up here and we we get on the defensive and we talk about, well, this is what should happen. And so this doesn't happen. And this is the kind of society we should have. This is the kind of culture we should have. So this doesn't happen and blah, blah, blah. Yep. It's the same thing every time. And I'm just not going to go down that road again. I'm just not going to do it. I agree. And I wish we would go on the offensive and say, we're opening up gun regulation and just allowing guns everywhere. We did something like that. And we're going to have a program to help teach teachers how to, uh, to train teachers, how to use a firearm, how to properly carry a firearm, and uh, setting up a, a program to help educate them and arm them so that this doesn't happen. Or if someone does try to come in and do that, they get shot themselves. So that, yeah. Anyhow, okay, um, let's move on to, uh, I don't even know, if you, do you want to talk about the spying, the illegal spying that the FBI did on Americans without their knowledge and without warrants? Do, do you want to talk about that or do you just want to talk about the World Economic Forum stuff? <laughs> Uh, again, what, what, again, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's, let, let's, yeah. What, what, what was their excuse this time? Okay. The FBI spied on 3.3 million Americans without a warrant, according to a new uh, report, an insight into how FISA has been used to target American citizens. Uh-huh. Those damn FISA uh -huh. courts again. In a May that was 25th supposed to be for people outside of the country, not yes, Americans not inside. inside. Not inside. Yeah. But they yeah. beta tested it on the people outside of the country so they could turn it on the people inside of the country later on, which is what they always do. In a May 25th letter to FBI Director Christopher Wray, Representatives Jim Jordan from Ohio and Mike Turner from Ohio asked Ray to explain why his agency had wiretapped and gathered personal information on over 3.3 million Americans without a warrant. Limited authority to gather foreign intelligence information is granted by the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA. Specifically, Section 702 of the bill says the Attorney General and the Director of National Intelligence may jointly authorize the targeting of non-U.S. persons who are reasonably believed to be outside of the United States to acquire foreign intelligence information. Does that say anything about U.S. citizens, domestically or internationally? It does not. But power can grant an expanding circle of possible searches to the FBI and other intel agencies who can use the same power against American citizens who had any interaction with targeted foreigners. To add to that, they have to, if the American citizen is involved in that, their name is redacted from that whole thing and it's masked. And there has, there's this long procedure they're supposed to go through to unmask the individual. And they have to get, you know, basically they have to get a warrant to unmask the individual. Um, 
And we, we found with other situations that uh, they just unmasked the individual without any kind of warrant, without any of that, um, and, and went, went straight. Uh, I believe it was the um, uh, Michael Flynn. Uh, I, I believe that it was that situation is one of the big, big well-known ones that we've seen. But it, seriously, this is part of uh, a mechanism that social credit would use. Why, why, why did we think that giving power to the government to, to uh, willfully search through foreigners' affairs without a warrant, um, why, why, why did we think they wouldn't use that against us? Because we had to think with our hearts and not with our minds after 9-11. No one was paying attention. Everyone was just saying, oh, okay, do whatever you need to do. Just make it stop. Uh-huh. In November of 2020, decisions by the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court which serves as a watchdog for U.S. intelligence agencies, required that the Office of the Director of National Intelligence report the number of U.S. persons, uh, U.S. person queries run by the FBI against Section 702 acquired information. Do I need to repeat 702 just to make sure before I go on to what this what this turned up? The Attorney General and the Director of National Intelligence may jointly authorize the targeting of non-U.S. persons who are reasonably believed to be outside of the United States to acquire foreign intelligence information. That's pretty clear. In accordance with these new requirements, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence recently released Annual Statistical Transparency Report included data on how often the FBI gathered information on American citizens using Section 702 in 2021, so just last year. In total... Queries against U.S. citizens came out to a jaw-dropping 3,394,053 searches. By comparison, only 1,324,057 such questions were made in 2020, representing around a 250% increase during President Joe Biden's first year in office. You think that might have something to do with it? According to the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, more than half of these queries, approximately 1.9 million of them, were part of a larger investigation of alleged Russian attempts to target or weaken U.S. critical infrastructure. I uh, see it's it's those it's those damn Russians. Yeah, that, that's what it was. We have to spy on our own citizens to make Russia connections that don't exist. How about we turn the tables here on this? How about we do that? How about we turn the tables and we start FOIAing every single one of you sorry bastards in these offices and let's find out some connections between you and the Chinese Communist Party. How about that? How about we start finding those links, which is what should be done? So we're we're in a recession. It could get worse. Um, we're seeing supply shortages, um, which could get worse. You're seeing gas prices go up, which could get worse. You may start feeling a lot more pain. And with that, People will flail about. It's similar, similar to 9/11, right? Uh, to your to your analogy there, um, 9/11 happened, and then people were like, "Make it stop." Well, it's going to be the same thing. They're going to go to the government and be like, "Make it stop," because the government's going to be saying, "Hey, we can fix this." And all all while, you know, people forgot that it was literally the government that caused this entire problem. Um, you know, we've used the example before, but the the baby formula scenario. Um, that was entirely the government's manufacturing. There, there was a, a, an instance of four cases of um, uh, children being hospitalized because of, they believed the baby formula. The, the companies looked through their um, product, could not find the bacteria strain that they were looking for. They found a similar bacteria 
somewhere that the um, baby formula, it, it doesn't come in contact with the baby formula. So it, basically their, their product was clean. It wasn't the fault of the, the baby formula. They started ramping up production again, but the federal government's like, nah, hold on a second. We, we've, got to, we've got to look into this. And so now for the last, what, three months, uh, the federal government has been dragging their feet, not doing anything because they only have nine inspectors, you see. Uh, and we, we've got to give them the well, they're very busy. millions more. They're, they're very busy. Very busy. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. And this is going to cause people to be like, well, maybe we should give them more money. Maybe, maybe, maybe we need to hire more inspectors and maybe, maybe, you know, because it's too slow. We're same situation here. We're going to have a situation of you're going to start seeing food shortages. Potentially, you could potentially start seeing uh, shortages of, of product and people will be like, fix this. And the government will be all too willing to oblige and create some kind of system that will then bite you in the ass and become more of a, a control mechanism. So eh, uh, no surprise. Mm -hmm. It continues here. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence report also admitted that at least on four occasions, the FBI failed to get FISA approval before accessing the contents of information collected under Section 702. Like you said, there was no redaction. They just, well, yeah, we don't have time to wait for all that. This is not the first time that the FBI has been caught red-handed overstepping legal authority under Section 702. In November of 2020, the FISA announced that the government reported numerous incidents they weren't specific. They just said numerous incidents in which the FBI reviewed information gathered under Section 702 without per, without obtaining proper permission from the court. On other occasions, Fizek noted that the FBI used Section 702 for issues entirely unrelated to foreign intelligence. These included queries for criminal investigations about healthcare fraud. Oh, my goodness. Where do you want to start with healthcare fraud? The last two years going on three now? Healthcare fraud? Hello? We've got the biggest fraud case you could possibly imagine. The biggest fraud, that's a career case of what we've had to deal with over the last two and a half, three years. You talk about fraud. That, that's, uh, a, that's a mountain of fraud that's that, that's not even, I, don't, I wouldn't even understand how to attempt to even climb it. That's how big the mountain is. It wouldn't just be a career case. That would be like one for the American history. Like this is the yeah. worst case of fraud in American history that, that has been recorded so far, that's been caught. This would this would be worse than you know the the whole Watergate and all that. It, oh. It's far worse than oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if they really dug into it, but they also uh, looked. Yeah, into I'm gonna bet real quick. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a quick stab at that. Uh, what they were saying the healthcare fraud. It was probably those vaccine cards that were falsified. You know the ones that they gave. Yeah, the saline solution yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah the mm, fake vaccine yeah. cards. Yeah, uh, they also used it for transnational organized crime, violent gangs, domestic terrorism involving racially motivated violent extremists. That would be you and I, by the way. That's according to the FBI. That's yeah. yeah. You know how many of those those individuals they've caught over the last like two years? That Cindy, you're going over that. It was like one. Yeah. Well, no, don't forget about the the Governor Whitmer kidnapping. Don't forget about that. Oh, yeah. Those federal agents. I forgot that about federal them. agents. Yeah. Don't, don't forget mm. about that. Um, mm. As well as investigations relating to public corruption and bribery. Um, hello. If you want public corruption and bribery, you can come to us all day long. I'll keep you in business. I assure you, I will keep you in business. I will make sure that that your kid's college is paid for with all the work you're going to have to do. You want corruption and bribery charges? I'll hand you that stuff. Slam dunk cases all day, every day. None of these queries were related to national security, and they returned numerous Section 702 acquired products in response. Huh. 
Rigorous congressional oversight of the FBI's Section 702 related activities is essential given the FBI's track record utilizing its FISA authorities. That was according to Jim Jordan and Michael Turner, two Ohio representatives from my great state of Ohio. In their letter to Ray, Jordan and Turner laid out the laundry list of questions about the report, demanding further transparency and explanations on the revelation that the FBI has often overstepped its legal authority to spy on American citizens. I'm glad you've actually got people, whether it's political rhetoric or not, I'm glad it's actually being said in the halls of Congress. Among other questions, they requested a full accounting of all 3 million, or 3.3 million citizens who showed up on FBI queries. Uh, the total number of preliminary or full investigations into any U.S. citizen the FBI has initiated as a result of information obtained through any of these U.S. person queries and the nature of the predication for each such investigation. Uh, they're not going to give you any of that information, representatives. I, I, I hate to tell you that, Congressman. They're, they're not going to give you any of those uh, those names they're not going to give you any of those cases yeah it's going to be it's going to be the case of uh, uh they'll they'll sit there and say something on the lines of uh well i i don't know but i can get that information for you later and then later they don't do anything to give them that information um yeah like it's happened multiple other times and they've lied multiple other times before the 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 congress and nothing's happened to them you know perjury uh, whatever Indeed. All right. Uh, do you want to spend a couple of minutes here on some uh, some World Economic Forum stuff? I got some audio from today, sure. uh, some of the stuff they got, um, but I, I really don't have a whole lot. I'll tell you what, let's start with a clip here of Gates. This is kind of unrelated. Or do you want to start with uh, with Klaus and Albert Borla? Which one do you want to start with? Uh, either, either one. It, it works. All right. Let's start with Gates. This is from yesterday. This is Bill Gates talking about talking about the the, the, the vaccines that we have now. And how they're not good at infection blocking. Wait a minute. I thought I thought I could have sworn that if you had one of these COVID vaccines, you you, you were OK. You you weren't going to get COVID if you had one of these vaccinations. Isn't, isn't that what President Biden said? He did say that when he was on a stage with Don Lemon. He did say that. But let's hear it from Gates. This degree of inaction. And before we even get to the policy piece, which is very important, I'd like to ask Bill Gates, since you cover this in your book, how do we come up with a coordinated effort? What is the path to creating some sort of global response so that we can help the weakest link get stronger? Well, there certainly was time enough for some countries to respond and have, you know, very, very mild pandemics. Uh, ground zero, wherever the emergence takes place, is always going to have the toughest job. Um, you know, will they see an elevation in respiratory symptoms? Will they see an elevation in deaths? Um, will they run a diagnostic panel? They're not going to be sequencing everything. But when things, when you get an elevation or you get your normal diagnostic panel uh, showing something unusual, then you've got to start sequencing. And, you know, so... It could be there could be more delay in reaction uh, if we have a country with low capacity and we don't have a global team. People always talk about, oh, let's help countries do better. Yeah, we should help countries do better. But a lot of the pandemic risks are in countries when the next several decades will not have that local capacity. So you have to have global capacity. If you're serious about pandemics, you have to have global capacity that can come you're, in you're and do those things. Um, you know, so we see, we see that a lot. Um, but, you know, here we 
you know, we're lucky if this had been 10 years ago, uh, some of these vaccine technologies did not exist. If it comes 10 years from now, we should have far, far better diagnostic technology. That is, be able to scale up every country within a month uh to diagnose their entire population. We should have much better therapeutics, some of which will be pathogen independent. And then, you know, as we do come up with vaccines, we want vaccines that are infection blocking and long duration, which today, you know, the vaccines have saved millions of lives, but they don't have uh, much in the way of duration and they're not they're not good at infection blocking. Okay, so if they're not President good at infection, Kavame, how- uh, shut up, all right? So they're not good at infection blocking. So why do we have them? And 10 years ago, if this had been 10 years ago, we didn't have the vaccine technology that we have today. Oh, yes, we did. Oh, you damn well bet we had it. Of course we had it. We looked at the research papers that they were using to develop it 10 years ago. And you know what they said in the research papers? They said, don't use it because it's too dangerous. Oh, we had them. But nobody was at the level of insanity that they're at now to maim and kill people like they've been doing using this th- this unapproved product and trying to dupe people into it. So I agree uh, with the therapeutic side of things because we had therapeutics already available uh, globally, even, even in the poor developing countries. It was all available that worked against COVID as far as them. <laughs> nah, uh, honestly, he can he can take a leap. Oh, he can I have do nothing. I, I'm, I'm sick of listening to it. Yeah, I, I have nothing constructive to say on that one because all of what he said there is just a load of BS. We have to create a global uh, infectious disease team. If you're serious. If you're serious about pandemics. If, if you're serious. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm tired of, of handing over freedoms and rights to uh, either politicians or to the global stage which is kind of what they're trying to do now. They're trying to get everyone to give up their sovereignty and give it to a a, a global council. Uh, No, I am still for individual nations having sovereignty and then working together amongst ourselves. Uh, You you should be focusing on your country first and then uh, focusing on the world greater after you've dealt with problems at home. That's what I think every nation should be doing. If every nation did that on their own and focused on what's best for their people, uh, because <laughs> one of the one of the problems that we have uh, on the global front is uh, even in Western cultures, we all don't agree on the same thing. Like we all don't see the world the same way. We we may have similar similar ideals and and, and enjoy similar freedoms. Um, but for example, here in the U.S., your freedom of speech. Um, the, the, as we just learned, uh, you, you can't go around recording, uh, freely and in, in public, uh, there in Davos, uh, because it's illegal here in the United States, pretty much everywhere. If you're in public, you can freely record. That's part of freedom of the press. All that to say, you, you can't, you can't continue giving up freedoms. You can't continue giving up sovereignties to, to, to the world stage, let alone to Bill Gates. And you know damn well that's where it's going to go. If it goes to the, the WHO, it's going to go to him and Fauci and the CCP. That's what it's going to go to. And guys like who you're about to hear, people like Klaus Schwab and Albert Borla, 
the CEO of Pfizer. Interesting conversation these two had. You see, Bruce, we're, we're misunderstanding these people. They're victims. That's what they are. They're, they're victims. They're not evildoers. They just want to help people. They're, they're the victims in all this. Take a listen to this. This is Klaus Schwab talking to Pfizer CEO Albert Borla. With a vaccine, but we knew that there is a very fanatic group of anti-vaxxers that will go after us no matter what. They will claim that the sun didn't go up because people were vaccinated and that created issues with the crop. So I'm suing you. And one thing it is to sue you in the U.S. Another thing is to sue you in a country where the legal system is not up to that standard or in Switzerland. right? So I think that's behind us. Uh, Everything (laughs) went okay, And now I think we can move on. I think we were we were both uh, targets of the anti-vaccine uh, movements and uh, conspiracy uh, people uh, claiming that I had tripled. I wondered what it is, tri- triple um, uh, COVID. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, and well, was uh, I think you got uh, hundreds of thousands of clicks and so on. Uh, I know you were also target. Um, I read one day that was arrested by FBI. Yeah, same happened to me. And there are pictures, pictures of me and the FBI officers. I don't know how. Yeah, I never said. The surprising thing it is that the same publication. I found out because I had published the previous one that was arrested was the Pope <laughs> by FBI. <laughs> so ridiculous, yeah. <clears throat> so we are good company. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least I was in good company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're in good company. All right. Here, here's here's a guy who's sitting on stage. One of these guys is the head of the most corrupt corporation on this planet. That's Pfizer. That that's Albert Borla. Like Pfizer is probably the worst corrupt criminal enterprise on this planet. It, like it's that bad. Like they'll pay off everybody. They'll pay off doctors. It, it, I mean, do I need to play the compilation again of this? This is brought to you by Pfizer. I mean, do I need to play that again? They own everything. They own, they own the media and everything else. He's talking to Schwab, who Schwab is literally an international criminal himself. He broke international law with the work he did at Escher Weiss. Uh, or Sulzer Agi when it was when it was transferred over to when the merger happened, he helped develop nuclear weapons technology and give it to the South African government under apartheid. He broke international law. And Borla says, oh, well, the legal system's not up to the Swiss standards. The Swiss government helped cover it up. They're, they're literally covering up the breaking of international law. Switzerland, of all countries, a country that has been known for its neutrality for hundreds of years. And these two guys are sitting on the stage talking about how they're victims? Please. These are not victims. I tell you what these people are. These people, every single one of them, not not just not just Borla and, and Schwab, but everybody that's attending that conference, every single person. I don't care if you're a senator, I don't care if you're a young global leader. I don't care if you're one of these lackeys going out fetching these dumbasses coffee. I'll tell you what these people are. These people are a disgrace. That's what they are. They're an embarrassment. This this is the best we can do. These are the so-called elites. These are the builders of the world. These people are an abomination. They're an embarrassment. I don't want anything to do with these people. I don't want anything to do with whatever system they've got concocted that they're trying to shove on everybody. That's hell on earth. That's a nightmare. And it will continue on. But Bruce, I'll give you a chance to uh, to respond because we're going to go on to Borla and him and Bill Gates are kissing each other's ass next. I, I like how they go straight to the uh, talking about the anti-vaxxers. They go straight to the crazy, uh, the, the stuff that 
Yeah, pretty much everybody agrees. Uh, okay, that that's a little too far for the, you, yeah. The you FBI know, was arre- like they were arrested by the FBI. Come yeah, on. come on. Yeah, well, and also saying anti-vaxxers were accusing them of the vaccine causing crop failures or something like that's that. That's ridiculous. Um, They're causing crop failures by shutting down everything yeah. and breaking the supply lines. Yeah. So I, I <laughs> the the the, the nonsense. They go straight to that nonsense, trying to discredit anyone that disagrees with. Um, their agenda or their, you know, uh, in this case, product, when in fact, when you look at the science and you look at the data, yeah, anti-vaxxer is pretty much the stance you want to take. And it's not that you're anti-vaccine, you're anti-this vaccine, because it's not a vaccine, it's an experimental drug. So, yeah. But, yeah, that's that's all, that's all I really have to say on that one. He's just, they're, they're just scum. All right. Uh, I, this, this is this is just god awful. Um, Borla, again, the CEO of Pfizer, talking about the need for the collaboration with Bill Gates. And I wanted to add that I think we will. Con- I think one thing it is Pfizer's portfolio is broad, but doesn't cover all diseases. I'm certain that the other pharmaceutical companies will follow. I've spoken to several of the CEOs and they want to be part of it. So medicines will be available, I hope. But it's not going to be enough. I think we need also to work on the ground for diagnosis, treatments. Someone should write the prescriptions of these highly sophisticated medicines. And for that, I repeat, we need the help of WHO, of Doctors Without Borders, of many other organizations. That Usual can suspects. Come. Bill Gates' organization, for example, has been fundamental for us yeah. to help through Gavi and through other means distribute vaccines to the world so far. And as Bill said, hundreds of thousands of lives have been saved because of that. We can do way more. And um, I think we should all come together with one goal, how to make sure that the, the modern wonder of medicine, which are the medicines, are finding their way to everyone. And I commit that we will actively seek these partnerships and engagements with all organizations that I just mentioned. Bruce, let me ask you a question. Do you know what the number one trend on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram were 48 hours ago? No, not 48 hours ago. Bill Gates, bioterrorist. Uh, I just, I, this is something that in prep, we we, we uh, listening to these and, and this is something that really grinds my gears when they say this. Uh, I've said it before. One of the one of the ways that you can really anger me uh, to 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 bring my ire is to lie to me and then to continue lying. One of the lies they keep saying, which he just Borla just said there, um, the vaccine saved thousands of lives, and Gates says millions. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, show me the evidence of that. Show me the proof. Show me the data. Because uh, all the data we're seeing right now. Shows that the vaccine killed more people than the actual virus itself. How, how are you going to uh, tell me that the vaccine has saved more life, lives? Hmm. Bill Gates's response. Mr. Gates, how do you hope this call to action will advance progress and innovation in global health? Well, the <clears throat> primary focus of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is to improve health equity. That's what uh, Melinda and I picked uh, back in the year 2000, where we first uh, got going. And partnerships with company like Pfizer have been key to the 
progress we've made. You know, for example, Gabi got started, actually announced here at uh, Davos. One of the most important vaccines, the one that saved the most lives of all, is the pneumococcus vaccine. Uh, and Pfizer was the innovator there with their uh, Prevnar product. And they've been providing that at low cost uh, so that it can get out to all the children of the world. Um, today's announcement is a, a strong additional commitment by Pfizer to take their incredible capabilities and make sure uh, that they get out to everyone in the world. Uh, for all the drugs they do create, the commitment to have the COGS-based pricing, uh, that will improve accessibility. So let me get this straight. You're going to partner with Pfizer and you're going to get all of these products out to who? Who are they going to get these products out to? Is it going to be to people that actually want them? Or is it going to be a money laundering thing like you've been doing for, I, I don't know, this entire COVID pandemic? Is that what it's going to be? I'm asking the question because the numbers stalled. They stalled a long time ago. You're churning out all these vaccines for who? The, the Biden administration just ordered 13 million doses of, of, of monkeypox vaccines? For what? Who's going to take them? Who's going to take these things other than the people you've already got convinced? Who's going to take them? And I'm asking for a simple reason. What is the company that Bill Gates invested in at the start of COVID-19? Actually, before it was even called COVID-19, at the, the start of the outbreak, what's one of the companies he invested in where he said he was expecting to get a 20-fold increase in profits back from his investment? Which biotech company was that? It was Moderna, wasn't it? Just so happens the CEO of Moderna, Stefani Bensel, was on stage down there. This is what he had to say about the vaccines. As Seth knows, we are now throwing those into the garbage. It's, it's sad to say. I'm in the process of throwing 30 million doses into the garbage because nobody wants them. Uh, we have a big demand problem. We right now have uh, governments, we try to contact, not only Seth who is doing great work with his team trying to get demand into the countries, but also we contacted through the Washingtons in, the embassies in Washington, every country, and nobody wants to take them. And so the challenge we have now is, it's a very different situation than we had two years ago. The problem we had two years ago is there was no mRNA capacity in the world, zero. The situation is very different today. Modern has $3 billion of annual capacity. Pfizer has $4 billion at $7 billion. And the Chinese don't want the vaccines of mRNA. So if you just take the just the Chinese population out, you have more than a dose per person. And as we just discussed, the issue in many countries is people don't want vaccines. In the US, people don't want vaccines. Around the world, we have a lot of people who don't want the vaccine as the problem Seth and his team are working against. So we don't have a capacity issue around the planet. It is not true. It was true two years ago. It's not true today. So let me get this straight. Gates is advocating for an entire logistical infrastructure for some world pandemic response team. Oh, we've got to be able to diagnose. We've got to be able to, to uh, monitor all these populations. We've got to be able to get these distribution hubs everywhere. Well, your own handpicked CEO that you've got right there just said publicly, we don't have a distribution problem. We don't have a supply problem. That's not what our problem is. Our problem is, is that people don't want these things. So the woke crowds that are left on the social media networks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the big ones, you've got trends saying Bill Gates bioterrorists. That's supposed to be the crowd that they control. That's supposed to be their socially engineered crowd of their online henchmen. That's what that's, that crowd's supposed to be. They're turning on it. His own handpicked CEO is down there on the stage saying, we've already got all the distribution we need. We've already got all the product we need. We're having to destroy 30 million doses because nobody wants these things. China didn't take our vaccines. 
Russia didn't take them. India didn't take them. As a matter of fact, Bill Gates is wanted for murder in India. That's why he doesn't go there, because as soon as his plane would touch down on the tarmac, he'd be cuffed up and hauled away. You asked the question if this was, you know, another money laundering scheme or, you know, what what the I, I kind of feel like this is I, I think you're right. It is it is a bit of money laundering, but I, I think it's also the government buying off uh, these these corporations and basically so think of it as as corporate fascism, right? So it's fascistic. You you have government involved, but the corporations are quote unquote ruling things, right? And the government just bought off a lot of these companies. So now it, it it's kind of these companies are indebted to the government. Okay, so they're they're more likely to do what the government wants. And then the other businesses have seen the uh, the profits that these companies made because they got in bed with the government. So it's more likely those companies will get involved with the government as well. So I, I think this was more of a mafia style buyout, and you know they 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 were just kind of uh, uh, flaunting their their wealth, if you will. I I have a feeling it's more. I, I feel like it's deeper than just money laundering. I, I, I think that there's an underlying goal of, you know, trying to get control, uh, you know, that, that, that's kind of a, a side goal. Maybe I guess it, maybe maybe this was an experiment to see how willing the Western world as a whole uh, was to coerce into uh, doing what they're told. Not necessarily just, well, in this case, this was an extreme case of bodily autonomy. You basically gave it over to them. Now you've pretty much proved to them that you'll do anything they tell you. I, I think it's a little bit more, they, they got a lot of data out of this and they learned a lot of, of what they can do going forward with something like a social credit system. Why do I say that this was a money laundering thing? Well, it couldn't have been the fact that we had more billionaires created than in the last two years than at any time in the last 20. Couldn't have been that. It couldn't have been the fact that uh, people like Mr. Bensell from, uh, from Moderna there made record profits. It couldn't have been the fact that people like Mr. Borla there made record profits. Couldn't have been the fact that people like Mr. Gates there made record profits. And boy, they increased their net worth by millions, tens of millions. Hell, in Gates's case, it was hundreds of millions. This is the executive director of Oxfam International, who's sitting on the same stage with Stefani Bensel. This is what she had to say. Rising billionaires has been you know, unprecedented during the pandemic. And there's been several sectors where that has been mostly concentrated. And one is, in fact, the pharma sector, because COVID has been one of the most um, profitable products ever. So that's um, uh, one point to discuss. In, and our report out today is called Profiting from Pain, how um, th those delays in, in making this technology available and um, really having people vaccinated early has contributed to that. But has also, as was said earlier, it's not only the direct health um, impacts, but it's the economic, social um, impacts on all parts of the population. And in reality, an increase in inequality, reversing the trend of the last few years where you know inequality had reduced between rich countries and poor countries. Unfortunately, now it has widened. And, and the, the statistic we're saying is every 30 hours, um, a new billionaire was minted during the pandemic. 
she sounds shocked. Like it did the opposite of what they actually expected it to do. No, they knew damn well what they were doing. They used their lackeys in the media. They used their henchmen in places like the pharma companies to have all this stuff ginned up, to have their people in place in public health departments to keep you locked down, to have your businesses closed, to use the police, to use the governments to shut everything down, to scare you, to force you by using fear and social engineering, using the tech companies along with it, getting into your phones that you're so glued to, twisting you, manipulating you, while they walked away all the way to the Swiss bank. And now they're sitting down there in their own criminal circles, celebrating with other criminals. That's what organized crime people do, by the way, if you didn't know. See, they don't celebrate with people outside of their circle. They celebrate with people inside of their circle. When you sit there and you listen to someone on stage, and you notice where she's sitting on that stage, Bruce? You notice she's sitting right there in the middle, like she's leading the meeting? That, that lady right there, that's not someone that's shocked and surprised. That's a gangster, is what that is. All right, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. For those of you who would like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to five friends. Do you know someone you're trying to wake up? Do you know someone you're trying to get to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Bruce, I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.